1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oz Biz Live from our Barangaroo Studios. You have tuned in to the call, 10 Stocks Picked by You. I put them to an expert panel. We do it all in one hour. It is Wednesday, the 23rd of November. Let's bring in the guests, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, good to see you, sir. To be here. And the champion of the charts, Carl Kapelinga (laughs) from Thick Markets in the West. Carl,
0: good to see you. Good afternoon, Koshy. Good morning to everybody over here in WA. And yeah, it's uh, it's bull market sort of feeling well, on the charts. Let me hang, on, hang on. Our, our most important <laughs> banker in the country
1: was gloomy. He's usually positive. He's usually balanced. Philip Lowe, the boss of the Reserve Bank, last night talking about yeah. recessions and
0: upheaval. And then the market goes up. Oh, what? Well, he, what the hell? He also... He also said that he wasn't going to put up interest rates until 2024. So I'm not, you know, maybe oh, just do the opposite. That's a just lot do of the flow. opposite. Uh, <laughs> so the market's
1: thinking of that. Michael, what's the the mood amongst your clients?
2: It's definitely a little bit more optimistic after that uh, better than expected inflation number, um, yeah. and people are eager to get money to work. That's definitely the case for certainly our clients. We've been sitting on a lot of cash. In some cases, clients have had hedge positions in. And I must admit, we have been lured in to the market with some of that cash uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I am a little bit cautious, sort of probably naturally a little bit pessimistic. Um, But I think think the outlook is still very, very questionable. um, And we are still gonna see a lot of volatility, we think, but we wouldn't be surprised if the markets have a bit of optimism leading into Christmas.
1: Right, okay, but will it last?
2: Who knows? Okay. Um, it, look, all it takes is another, you know, stubbornly high inflation figure, or you get a, a large um, interest rate increase from the central banks, and and you know, tough conversations, or a systemic or system shock that could right. really set the markets off. But I do think the balances, or the risk balances, are slowly tilting towards the favour of the investor, looking at a long-term horizon. Given right. how far a lot of international markets are pulled okay. back, but we don't think we're through through it all. We don't think the worst is necessarily behind us, but but going through one of those bull, bear market rallies, potentially, yeah. and we need to be a part of it in some sense. So
1: Carl, what's the charts telling you?
0: Uh, well, the charts. Hey, don't fight the charts. That's that's always been my message. You know, up, down, or sideways. Uh, I was on my Friday spot two weeks ago, and I officially declared the bear market over. And I'm reluctant to call a bull market because I just I just don't feel like it. I just think this balance of risks are still skewed to the downside. So, you know, what that means for. Oh, market- Carl, you brought
1: in some emotion there. Some fundamentals so the charts the the chart's telling you the bear market's over but you're questioning the chart
0: uh well yes a little bit in the back of my mind but that doesn't mean we won't trade okay so what i've been saying is we 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 put we have small bets koshi on many stocks so if something does blow up not one single stock isn't going to hurt us and you'll say well you've got the same amount because you just got more stocks and i said well we're pretty active in managing right. our, our, our our process as well so again you know if you watch those tuesday sessions we we are in stocks for a good time not a long time it doesn't take a whole lot of a change in that momentum to see yeah. us backing out of some of that risk so we are you know we're active managers if you're a passive Passive uh, sort of investor, you look check the market once every six months or twelve months. It's a different style, and you're probably fine. Just stick with what you got. Yeah. I tell you what, though, got you, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I've got my finger on the button of my um, my. I've got some money in, in super that just gets put away, put away in a very passive fashion. But I tell you what, if this thing hits seventy six hundred again, I'm going to go fully to cash. <coughs> if I'm on uh, Ausbys at the time, I will tell hey, viewers. If it I goes, just press the button. I just pressed the button. Hang on. If it goes to 7,600. I reckon if it hits 7,600 by, by this Christmas rally. So this, now we're moving to sort of more seasonal factors. and this, You'll sell plan. everything at 7,600. 7,600, I'm going to cash. That I've decided. Oh.
1: So it's not that the bear market's over, the bull market's uh, head,
0: totally, heading I'm off. Totally, You're... I'm totally contradicting myself, aren't I? I'm totally contradicting myself. That's what the market's got me doing. Okay. No, no, I just think, i just think seasonally this is the time of the year you get these massive massive run-ups where just cash is just coming in there's there's not a lot of supply around and the price movements are exacerbated i think there's an outside chance here that we're going to hit 7600 i don't know what that's going to be in the us markets but around around the end of december early january you get these seasonal highs you can see 10 20 go have a look at the charts of last year what's happened early january and i just think yeah i'm that's 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 how i'm going to play play this market
1: all right, I've, I've just just made a bit of a note of that, uh, <laughs> and I noticed yesterday you're back into coal as well. That's you get good. back
0: into coal. No, yeah, we just uh, just, just followed your advice back.
1: and got out of coal two weeks ago. There you say, well, I go. Go back into it. We're, we're yeah,
0: nimble. Yeah, yeah.
1: nimble. That is that is the word for it. All right, let's check the first five stocks today. We're going to have a look at Aroa Aero, row Biosurgery, Kogan, New Farm, Renascore Resources, IDP Education. Stock of the day, Qantas, upgrading its profit expectations. It is booming. Um, it expects uh, first half, uh, 1.3 to 1.5 billion uh, net debt to fall between uh, 2.3 and 2.5. And uh, share buyback, it's up 4% today. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Qantas?
0: Oh, it's a bottom. A bumper of a result. It's just yeah. I mean, it's uh, Philip Lowe, there, as you said, down in the doldrums. But you know, we we the consumers aren't feeling that way. We do, we're out there. We're spending money like there's no tomorrow. Even though, you know, property prices are falling and you know stocks past ends have been under pressure and there's all this doom and gloom in the world. So Qantas is the major beneficiary of that. Um, yeah. Look, uh, the the only question is is this the high watermark? Is it uh, have have, have Hey, is this the best it's going to get. Um, I suspect, suspect there's a little bit of that in play. Uh, but you know, the, the the numbers are the numbers and the charts, the chart, the charts, bottom left, top right. It's one of the best charts on the market. Look at yeah. that. I mean, how many stocks right now are making, you know, 12 month highs? Hang on, uh, this is one of them. So I'm a momentum 50% trader.
1: increase in six months.
0: Uh, yeah, Four, 4 the twenty-three to
1: six fifteen in the share price. Wow! Well,
0: that's just reflecting their earnings. So yeah. they've, they've gone from they've gone from losing money to breaking even to all of a sudden now we've got a one point what was it one point three billion dollar <laughs> profit in our hands. So yeah, yeah they've blown, blown away expectations. Um, I have to stick with the momentum, just despite maybe there's no. a nagging fear that, that that maybe there's a little bit of you know this is this is as good as it gets for them. But um, you know investors. I'm- who are putting, putting money to work. They understand that. And so I'm happy to have you, So it's a hold for me.
2: Michael? Yeah, for us, look, I don't like the business Qantas. Just it's one of those generic sort of comments, I suppose, about airlines, all the, yep. the different variables that go into yeah. it. There's no doubt that Qantas has emerged out of the COVID period in a very good position. They've managed to get their, their cost down a lot, but there's enormous amount of demand out there and not enough capacity to keep up with it. So there's have a lot you flown of- lately? I have. And, and it's paid? paid, it's ridiculous even to go domestically. I went up to my brother's Bucks party to Port Douglas. It was $1,000, which oh, is like, like gone to Europe about you know a couple yeah. of years ago. So yeah. eventually after this COVID catch up travel period, I think passes, those fares are going to have to moderate in order to entice people to, to travel as much. And you throw in the whole slowdown in the economy and you know fixed rate mortgages rolling right. over to variable. I think it's going to become a bit more challenging for them. <coughs> Um, the other thing that grinds on me um, when it comes to Qantas <laughs> is the fact that their airline fleet has aged significantly. Yep. Um, I think going back 10 years ago or something, the average age of their aircraft was six, seven years. I think it's blown out to well above 10 years now. Right. And they've done that in order to boost up profitability. But at some point, they're going to have to rejuvenate uh, that fleet, in reinvest the in the business. So mm. we are cautious on the long term horizon for airlines always. Obviously, you've got US dollar strength. Aussie dollar weakness, you've got things like energy prices, aircraft renewal, strong competition from overseas players. And what happened after COVID, a lot of the capacity from overseas players exited the Australian market. At some point, you will have to think they'll make their way back to the Australian market once the conditions normalize. Okay. So for mine, I'm going to get go a hold now because the momentum pretty good. And today's update was yep. very good. But on the long-term horizon, I'll be tempted to eventually sell and rotate elsewhere.
1: Yeah, because they make it, as you say, huge yields at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Massive. And I was talking to a guy yesterday who was, I said, what you're paying at the moment is incredible. And he goes, you're just on Qantas. He said, I had staff wanted to go to, um, I think it was New York. It was business class, uh, granted, but it was something like twenty thousand dollars return, <laughs> yeah. and United was seven. Yeah, really. So, so he yeah. said it's time to shop around. You're going to start seeing, as you were saying, uh, all of these airlines start coming back to Australia yeah. now. Competition increases; they're making pay while well the sun shines. Yeah, absolutely. That's. And that's you, you don't blame them for that.
2: I suppose. No, I've been through. Not at all. I'll give you an
0: upside target, Koshi. I'll give you on, on the charts, yeah. I'll give you an upside target. So if investors are kind of feeling what Michael and I are feeling, which is maybe this is as good as it, what it gets, but you don't want to sell because the momentum is good. I think that's yeah. the golden rule. As long as the momentum is good, just hang on. But I'm looking at, the, so there's there's some significant chart resistance. I'm going to say between 7 and 750. So if you're lucky enough to get that in this, as I said, seasonal run that we get at this time of the year, that's where you, I, I would suggest, start to trim. Take a ah, few okay.
1: All right. Okay. That's a good... Good suggestion. All right, let's look at the stocks that you want us to look at. And Jason wants a a view, Michael, on Aroa Biosurgery, one of these biotech companies in the uh, soft tissue healing
2: reconstruction space. Yeah, I must admit, I haven't read too much about this business in the past. I'm sort of familiar with the name just because we have had clients in and out of um, PolyNovo at various stages with varying degrees of success, I must admit, but it tends to be quite a, a volatile one. Um, this particular business is involved in soft tissue generation, um, they've got a number of different products, some involving uh, animal skin as a means of assisting with the healing of different um, different complex wounds and, and different soft tissue uh, reconstruction surgeries. Uh, look, the business itself seems to be doing quite well. They recently upgraded their revenue, targets quite significantly, Just increased their run, gross margin um, forecasts as well. So... There seems to be a lot going in the right direction for this company, which probably means I should look into it a bit more. Yep. Um, it's, the thing is you've got to understand the complexities of these types of companies and the different alternatives out there. Um, Polynovo, for instance, is a synthetic um, meshing or spray type um, um, solution to some of these injuries, but the market for these skin issues um, and for these surgical reconstructions is enormous. Um, complex wound market globally it's, I think about $1.8 billion or $1.4 billion. Right. Um, so there's a big market where if they can go out and market their product after all the research and development phases behind them then it can grow pretty quickly I and mean, potentially we're seeing that at the moment hence the, the big jump in revenue but I must admit, I don't know enough about the company. I'd like to get a better understanding Mm. of the nuances between these companies, but it's definitely one now on the watch list list, Um, that I'll go away and do a bit more research on. So I'm happy to give it a hold for those people who hold it and know a bit more about it than me. Uh, And the momentum, given the recent update, looks very good as well. Okay, Carl.
0: Yeah, I like it. Um, If you're gonna look in this space, so these sort of uh, biotechs, medtechs, try and find ones that have multiple paths to revenue okay so it's not just that one product that they're banking on that's going to change the world uh now this is i'm going to say there's two main concepts here but within the concepts there are a number of different products uh that they're they're selling three or four of them at the moment one is um uh, is being sold but not sort of mass sales just yet Um, but it is coming to market next year. And then they've got one that's sort of um, still early stages of development. So the good news is there are revenues. So that's also uh, unreal, (laughs) you know, unreal for companies of this nature. They're actually making money. Those revenues are growing and they're gonna be um, profitable. Just looking at my numbers here, sort of FY25, order of magnitude. So they're getting close to that point where they're tipping into a profit. Um, You're paying about 37 times that year's earnings. And then with the earnings growth, you're paying about 15 times 20, 26 earnings. And I know that's a long way away and there's lots of lots of execution risk. But what we've got is multiple revenue streams, a product that is working, it's being ordered, and the revenues are growing, right? Doctors are using it. Um, it serves a, a, a need in a, in a large total addressable market. So these are all the things you're looking for. So not necessarily for this one, but in the space, right? Um, and then the key for me is the valuation side of things. So a lot of these you look at and they say, oh, well, their path to break even and profits is, three, four, five years down the track, or you can't even see it, (laughs) right? Um, But this one has a path. And then if you can get to profit, they're trading on 100 times that first year's earnings and then 75 times the next year's earnings. I think this is very different, it's trading on 37 times FY 25 and 40. So I don't. I think it's actually reasonably priced, and 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 people will shout at the screen. Okay, Cole, it's all that execution risk, and the market understands it. And it look, I get that too, but I don't think it's crazy expensive. I like what's going on here, and I think the chart looks pretty good. So mm. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go spec buy. I, okay. I, I can't. I can't see why you wouldn't put some of this in your portfolio. And when I say spec buy, we're not going to rush in with uh, with all, all <coughs> the money we have left in the bank. Um, it's, you know, we, we, we're stepping into this. So I think, you know, buy some today. See how it goes. If it keeps going up, there's the chart. Yep. The chart looks good. If it keeps going up, buy some more. If it keeps going up, buy some more. Okay. If okay. it goes down, you, you only bought a little bit at this stage.
1: All right, Jason. You've, uh, you've certainly tweaked everyone's uh, imagination on this one and take your closer interest in it. Uh, Carl, um, Lily wants to know um, how the Kogan chart looks and uh, the big online retailer that went gangbusters and, and fair to say this is a retailer that polarizes the market. You either love them because they were the first digital retailer, the online retailer to get listed or and then you have the other, the other end that don't like the transparency and some of the actions of the founders.
0: Uh, yeah, founders. Of, uh, why Ruslan? He he sold a bunch of shares, didn't he? Yeah. Around those uh, COVID, that COVID peak. That's yeah, that was interesting. Done it a few look times, for me. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that was quite controversial. Well, he's nailed it, by the way. Yep. Um. So you know, there's a, there's a message. Look for those insider purchases and sales. And sometimes they say, look, they need to put another wing on the mansion, don't they? Yep. As a justification, but. Um, uh, look, I, I, I like stocks when they're going up, Koshy. That's when I like them, yeah. and I don't like them when they're going down. So, look, it's going down at the moment, but here's the but. So, Lily said, Look, Carl, look at the chart for me. I think it's flattening out. So, in any sort of phase of your technical analysis, you've got your demand greater than the supply. That's your up bit. That's when we're going long. We, we hang on. Uh, then, supply and demand become equal. That's when the, the price goes sideways. And that's pretty much what Kogan did back in 2021. The, so, the supply came in, it met that demand, it went sideways. And then, supply is. In excessive demand, the price comes down. What we're seeing is the other bit supply and demand are equal again, we're flattening out. And I'm seeing some early signs, and I'm looking for my candles here. So, white candles coming in, lower shadows price action is high peaks and high troughs. Think about the only way you get high peaks and high troughs is if demand is building and supply is diminishing. So we could break into this new phase where we have excess demand, the price goes up. I'm gonna give you a key number. So this is what I think. Uh, Let me check my chart here, 360. A close above 360, I would upgrade Kogan from its current hold to a speculative buy, again, putting a toe in the water. And then if it was to keep going and then the next level there, I would say if it closes above, say, 390, that's when I would add some more, okay? Mm. So we go spec buy, on the, that's, that's purely technicals. On the business side of things, I think it's starting to look quite cheap here. I've, I think, uh, you know, our fair value target, and I've used the most bearish assumptions. I've used I've jacked up my discount rate to my highest um, number. I've dragged down my PE, which is way below the market consensus. And I still get a fair value of 425, which is about 25 percent upside. But it depends on them starting to turn this mm. business around. And Michael will tell you about the fundamentals, but I'm going to go spec buy, uh, okay. we'll spec buy on those on those price price conditions.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. If it gets to
0: 360. Exactly. Uh, Michael,
1: $24 yeah. to three. It Blimey. was
2: It was an unbelievable success story. It has been really since it, it listed, but it's been a, a fall from grace in the last sort of 12 months. Yep. Um, it's been a number of occasions now that as that share price momentum builds, you start to see the founders selling down their stakes. And frankly, they don't actually hold that much <coughs> of Hogan anymore compared to what they used to. Um, I'm not sure what that says, but yeah. it just gives you a, an indication um, of how management are viewing the long term outlook potentially. Um, but you look at the fundamentals, and they have dropped off a cliff, um, and that's probably COVID induced to some extent. But look, sales are down 40% gross profits down, you know, over 40%. Um, The active subscribers is down, you know, 13%. Um, They have been transitioning more towards a subscriber model, particularly with their marketplace business. And they've recently set a series of monthly subscription fees or increased those monthly subscription fees. And that could help arrest some of that slide in revenue. Um, But it's very difficult to get overly excited about a business when the fundamentals are deteriorating as much as they have. So from my standpoint, I'm going to go probably a hole, just given how far it's fallen. If you haven't yep. sold already- You've um, been through the pain. You've been through probably most of the pain, yep. uh, particularly if you're bought in 15, 20, $24. So th- there are probably some potential for green shoots to emerge if they can prove that they got through the worst of it. Um, but I think it was also a big situation where a lot of that demand was pulled forward due to COVID. Then all of a sudden the whole um, economy reopens and there's less- people online doing online shopping and Kogan's been stuck with a lot of inventory and they're doing their best to clear all that inventory and to do that they're doing it at discounted prices yep. and that again puts pressure on their margins and their revenues etc so once that inventory is cleared you might start to see this business um, get back to some of the figures that they had pre-covid which they're still some way off but yeah it's it's not a pretty picture at the moment no. so I wouldn't be piling new cash into it but if you're still hold it after all the falls, you can continue to hold it and and hope that things pick up again. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I mean, uh, got
0: one. Got, one, yes, got one stat for you. We, we talked about insiders. Now, uh, I, the CFO, COO, David Schaefer. so he should know how, how the business is going. The CFO, Chief Operating Officer as well. He bought 500 grand on the 31st of August after the mm. um, block out period post results. So if that helps you make a decision as well, right. the CFO is putting his money, half a million, uh, half a, yeah, half a million bucks. Okay. He's putting his money his mouth. Is. If right. that helps you make a
1: decision. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's certainly commitment. Um, Sarah wants a view, um, Michael, on New Farm, uh, the ag uh, business. Basically, it's a massive seed bank, isn't it? it? That provides seed, seed to farmers. And you would think it's set to boom after
2: the floods and everything as farmers go back reselling. That's it, everything's been freshly watered. Is that watered. right or, um, or what you Look, I, I think that's definitely a case as well. They also do a lot of pesticides, fungicides, oh, um, right. herbicides, things like that as well. And for most of the products that they operate in within Australia, they're in the number one or two in terms yep. of the market share. So they're in a very dominant market position. Um, you could argue though that they do lack pricing power with a lot of their contracts. Um, right. There is you know, a huge global market for these things as well and they don't necessarily hold the same position globally, um, but they are looking to invest globally and that could be a, a source of growth for the company. Um, again to go back to more of a cliche, we are often cautious on these agricultural type businesses as given the cyclical nature of them. but given how the environment is set up at the moment, you would think that they're coming into a, another fairly strong period for them. Um, so look, from my standpoint, I'm happy to give it a hold, but I wouldn't give it a buy because from a long-term standpoint, we're just not into these types of companies because they yep. can be quite volatile and very difficult to predict with any certainty. So happy to hold it
0: just given yep. the momentum.
2: Uh, Carl, New Farm?
0: I'm into New Farm. I like New Farm. Oh. Um, we talked about it. Yeah, talked about it yesterday in my Tuesday webinar. So I called it a buy. I said straight up um, buying this one. Um, the technicals mainly was was the case there. But uh, when you do dig into the the valuation, the fundamentals, they're very very strong. So as you as you said. Uh, Farmers obviously back out planting crops, but it's not just that, the the weather conditions are facilitating it. And more importantly than anything else, it's prices. So you've seen a price of uh, uh, various agricultural, you know, mainly grain based commodities go up. They have moderated, don't get me wrong, but they're still at uh, higher levels today than where they were 12 months ago, 18 months ago. So farmers are getting more money, they've got more money to spend. On these crop protection products and uh, and seed products that New Farm produces, they're also got some um, some other products that have sort of coming to the market or just at the very beginning, the thin end of the wedge of their sales. So you've got your um, the plant-based omega three and your biofuels as well. So that's just just starting to just come good. I would say mm. over the next uh, 12 months, that will that will start to contribute Um, management is very very bullish they just came out literally a a few days ago with their results and reaffirmed their earnings in fact uh, said we're going to see some um, earnings growth over the next 12 months and that's what really surprised the market because their their eps i've got to find my, my my numbers here but i mean the eps went through the roof like many of these agricultural plays many of your mining plays we know that bhp's earnings you know went tripled but they're expected to be down you know they're only two-thirds next year and then another two-thirds of that the year after so we know that a lot of these commodity companies are cycling huge bumps but then new farm comes out and says you know what we're actually going to grow earnings next year it's about three percent and the market said oh okay well we expected right. you to have less earnings next year because you're cycling the huge bump New farm, no 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 no. we're still seeing the demand and then they've, they've, they've got um, with those new products it's growth anyway out to 2026 so I think it looks really cheap here okay. um, and I don't wanna, I don't want to over oversell it but I, again I've I've I, yeah, I <laughs> I, I cut to my normal my normal valuation and then and, and then my numbers come out they came out too good I mean it was right. crazy upside it's like you know I think it was about 40 percent undervalued and I go no no that can't be right so I start jacking up my discount rate and lowering my PE you know <laughs> anyway um I think there's uh, seven oh nine was my fair value target, so that's twenty percent upside. I think about two percent yield. The chart looks good, right. good, so I, I a core core portfolio buy on you. Okay, all right, Carl um, uh, Killon
1: wants a view on Renascore Resources, uh, uh, mining developer just bought um, a site um, down near Port Adelaide, near 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 the port for a, a battery anode material facility.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hey, hey I, I, I'm a big fan of New Farm. I like Renascore as well. So we've got two in a row here. Um, this is your blue sky in your in your portfolio, Koshy. So we're not gonna we're not gonna throw the sink at this one, but we're gonna have <laughs> a hold, it. and we're gonna take a, a longer term view on this because this is how long it's going to take right. for this one to play out. But they I, they will. I think they will get to mine. Obviously the resources there. They've done their DFS. So it's not they're not kicking over rocks in the desert trying to find the graphite. This is yep. a graphite play of course and you go graphite you go two steps so you go to the graphite concentrate and then you go to the purified spherical graphite which is what the anode producers uh, will buy off you to then sell to the ev manufacturer so this is a EV play um, that the uh the federal government has set aside 185 million dollars for them of their $2 billion loan facility for these types of projects, right? So think about that's a That's mm. a decent whack of what they've set aside. They want this to happen. And the reason is about 99.99% of the production of that um, anode grade graphite is happening in China right now, okay? So Australia wants that production to happen here. So it's, it's very integrated. They've got the mine. They're going to have the, the the production plant in SA as yep. well, which is wonderful. Okay. And um, yeah, so look, big, big picture stuff, but I think you want to have some in your portfolio. The chart is definitely reinforcing this. I'm pretty sure I covered on everything. I like it, long mind life, it's shallow. You just dig it up, send it over, low cost of, cost of production, um, ability to ramp up and scale, and your net present value, if they get to their sort of um, full nameplate capacity is in the order of magnitude of 2 billion. We're looking at about a 657 market cap. And I know people are going to scream at their screen, say that's going to take ages to achieve. And I get it. But hey, it's a spec buy. Yep. Michael? Um, We were talking about CIRA resources a couple
2: of weeks ago. I think I mentioned this as a bit of a a spec buy because we do have some clients who want a bit more spice in their life um, in this. And it's been a good performer in recent weeks, but we like the long-term outlook for all the reasons that Carl sort of touched upon. Mm. It's got the second largest proven graphite reserve outside of Africa in the world. Um, Obviously, they're going to be a fully integrated um, miner once they do get the facilities up and, and operating, yep. um, providing that they do get that government funding, which has been, which has been offered to them on a conditional basis. But once they jump through that hurdle, and I think a final investment decision is due later in the year. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a material or a resource of nation, national significance, given what Carl touched upon with China's dominance in this space. So, we think that it's one of those positions that it's worth taking that slightly higher risk on. Obviously, you don't want to put a huge amount of your portfolio into it, but if they pull it off, there is some significant mm. upside there. So for us, I'm going to go a speculative buy spec as buy well. as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's good to see, like Chris Ellison's doing it at MinRes, isn't he? Yeah. Saying, I want to bring processing back into Australia, yeah. do the next level rather than just dig it out of the ground and ship it offshore. All the value add stuff, yeah, which is very yeah, important. Yeah and hopefully it succeeds because it will be great for our export numbers that's for sure uh, jamie wants to view michael on idp education uh the global uh, leader in english language testing and uh, student placement uh big shareholdings by our major universities who then sort of support idp education mm-hmm. saying any international student that wants to
2: come in here does their test through idp mm-hmm. so not a bad little arrangement, is yeah, it? Yeah, look, it's, it's a business that we, we like. Um, we've liked it for a long time. It's been in our model portfolio at Medallion for probably five years plus. Um, but it has pulled back and retraced from its all-time highs, um, probably oh, yeah. due to COVID initially, yeah. but and also the recent market pullback. It is quite expensive and it is well-liked in the market and that does give me some cause for concern, um, just in case something does go wrong. There's a lot of people there ready to exit. However... The long-term trajectory of the business is very good. Its balance sheet's very good as well. Um, they operate not only in, in student pl- uh, English language testing, but also in student placements. Yep. So Often they'll take students um, looking to go to one of the large unis in the UK, Canada, Australia, um, and a lot of the, their students come from places like India, for instance, but all yep. through Southeast Asia. And there's a big emphasis placed on education, so look to place them in those quality unis overseas. Um, but as you say a component of that is the English language testing they need to have a certain English ability um, before they get placed in those unis and that was traditionally owned about 50% by the unis Um, I think it's about 25 unis or so that own about 50% of IDP or did own 50% of IDP there was a big couple of tranches of sell downs by those unis in recent years the unis still own about 20-25% right um, and because of COVID, they needed they needed the, needed cash the dollars flow. because there are no international students. That's coming right. In. So they, I think, a lot of that overhang on the stocks probably evaporated at least for now. And what's going to happen is the entity that was managing that shareholding on behalf of all the unis is going to disband and effectively distribute the individual holdings to the individual unis. Right. So it'll become a uni by uni decision going forward. Um, but look, it's a business that we think's got a lot of growth trajectory. The numbers are not only bounce back from COVID. They've exceeded their pre-COVID levels. Um, So we like the outlook, um, particularly as international students flood back into these Western economies post COVID. So we have a buy on this one. Carl, what do you think? Buy as
0: well? I'm very close. Very, very close to a buy on this one. Yeah. Um, What what would get you uh, over the line? Oh, just the price. The price needs to right. go up a bit more. I need to see a bit more confirmation in the market. But yeah, I agree, agree with everything Michael said. Well, sorry to do this to viewers. I just want to go back to Score for one thing. I'll make a 10 second point. So the key thing about these guys is just funding, and any mining company is funding. So they've got seventy over 70 million in cash. That's enough to get them to final investment decisions, it's enough to get them to production. And the capital cost of the, the, the facility. Is less than what that government loan is going to be. So they're the huge, major pathways that are, that are cleared for them. Right. So that's the okay. important. Thing. They're not going to have to raise any money soon. That's another big tick. Um, sorry. I did pay education, I do like it. The only problem is as Michael said says the price. So yeah. it's like tick, 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 great growth. You know, 31% compound annual growth rate over the next four FYs is broker consensus, which is astronomical. And ordinarily back in the day, so this is the, I wish we could zoom out a little bit more on that chart when it was 40 bucks. Back in the day, you'd happily pay 80 times earnings for yeah. that sort of growth. That's just where we were when the NASDAQ was at its all time highs. And before Jerome Powell came out and jacked up all those interest rates. I always worked off 40 like that. I didn't. I didn't subscribe to the 80. I stuck at 40, which is for me is your classic growth stock PE. Right. I'd love to know what Michael's opinion on on this is. Um, but that's like your 40, to classic growth stock PE. So that's what I use as my limit. Uh, and it just comes out at about fair value. So I've got a th- valuation of 31.48 on it. You are paying 78 times this year's earnings, but because of the growth, it does come down. It's like 27 times FY26. I know I'm talking a lot of numbers here. Bottom line is, I think it's fair value. It's not a, necessarily a bargain. <coughs> if the chart kicks up, you know me. I don't care what the value is, as long yep. as the chart is going up. I reckon. Look, let me give you a number. I, I think I think you can buy. A li- you take your first little bit. Take your first nibble if it closes above 30.50. All right. Okay. Take another take another nibble if it closes above 3160 and then see how you go from there. Okay. All right. So, so it's, it's, it's a it's, it's a hold, hold for now, you. Yeah, but a buy based upon those conditions. Okay. All
1: right. Let's uh, recap the first five stocks. Uh, Qantas um, is a hold from both Carl and Michael. If Qantas gets uh, to 750, um, you would between 7 and 750. I think you'd right. start selling up. Yeah, you'd start selling it at 7 to 750. Uh, Aroa uh, Bio, um, uh, a hold on a watch from Michael, a speculative buy from Carl. Kogan, a hold from both. It would uh, be a buy for Carl if it got above 360. Uh, New Farmer buy from Carl, a hold from Michael, a buyer on Renascore resources from both. And IDP is a buyer from Carl. Uh, uh, Michael, a hold from Carl, but if it got above thirty fifty, 50, um, he would be interested in that. Um, here at the call, we've been following our own um, investment portfolio, fantasy portfolio, um, as picked by investment committee. The uh, most recent committee meeting is on the platform at the moment, the November one, ausbiz.com. Uh In that meeting, they removed Incitec Pivot, uh, they added seven group holdings, they trimmed mineral resources, uh, the weighting there, and added that weighting to JB Hi-Fi and Wesfarmers. Uh, since the first of March uh, the portfolio is up 7.5%. At CMC we've been in the game for a
0: while and although a lot of things have changed our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years Trade CFDs your way at CMC Markets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD your information memorandum of the CMC Pro accounts at our website.
1: This half hour we're going to take a look at REA Group Seek CSL Auckland International Airport and WeBit Nano. Uh, Michael Sam wants a view on REA, the big property platform?
2: Yeah, it's a very, very high quality business, one that we do hold for clients on a long-term basis, but it's not necessarily one that we're buying right now. Um, their numbers at the full year result in August were were very very good but their recent update has suggested that there has been a a strong decline in listings Um, but to counter that they have been increasing prices I think there's about a 6-8% to price increase um, it's already contracted in for the next financial year and then something similar the year after Mm. Um, so they do get a lot of protection from their ability to control the market they are by far the number one um, real estate platform in this country Um, they get about 3.5 3.5 times the views of the nearest competitor or, or time spent on their website versus the nearest competitor. And uh, that's numbers from REA, but I think you have to, you have to sort of take them for their word there. Um, people assume that property prices are correlated with property listings, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, often, when property prices are falling, the listing will stay on their website longer, yep. which is a, a, another sort of downside protection for them. They've obviously got a big rental platform as well. Rents have been going crazy. People have been spending a lot of time on that part of the business. Um, they've got commercial listings and a whole range of other services. But they've also got large investments overseas, which is slowly starting to pay off in places like the US and, and Indi- other parts. India is, India is, the big is one. a big one as well. Yeah, yeah. So. It is conceivable that over time, the Australian business dwarfs into insignificance relative to those other businesses, but it's still very early days so far. But I think this is a business that you definitely have on your watch list, because right. um, I do think that eventually, once the, the market's bottom and once the housing market shows signs of, of finding a bottom as well, something like REA will pick up and rally pretty quickly, because right. it is a very high quality business. But so hold if you're in it. Hold for now, just because the property market is still showing a lot of signs of weakness yeah. and is probably accelerating its decline on a global scale yep. so you have to keep that in mind and it's going to be very hard for rea to meet their annual forecast given the big declines we saw october this year compared to last year and how november started off as well yeah. so for now i just think there's a bit more bad news to come on that front
1: yeah because uh, carl it is all about listings isn't it and you talk to all the uh, you see it in the property numbers, listings. Uh, this is the spring selling season, well down on what everyone expected.
0: Yeah, it's down, we're down close to 20%. And expectations yeah. for the next 12 months will be down somewhere between 20 and possibly even 30%. And I get what Michael says. Look, it's it's not all just about their online um, classifieds business. There are other strings to the bone. They do have great growth overseas. So look, I don't, I don't hate REA, but I do think they're in a bit of trouble here. And the chart for me, I think, is really, really telling. So we just we started this conversation about how strong the market is right we just said things are going gangbusters but I tell you what look at where's REA's rally Mm. like where am I saying hey the bear market and REA is over no it's not Um, so what you've had is there's demand (laughs) out there and it's pushing up uh, broader market prices but the reason why this isn't going up is because well yes there's demand but guess what that demand is being met by It's been met by fund managers, active fund managers out there who are sitting on this thing and selling it. They're going, oh, today's up, that's great. I'll be able to sell some more REA without pushing pushing the price down too much. Oh, today's up again, awesome. Let me sell some more REA without pushing the price down too much. And that worries the hell out of me. The fact that it hasn't gone up when the rest of the market's gone up tells me that there are funds out there positioning for some type of, I would suggest, profit downgrade in the not decent future. And you'll get one of those, you know, uh, REAs in the news, everybody, it's a stock of the day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the call. And we've just talked about, you know, 20% profit downgrade and stocks down, you know, a yeah. vertical line, 10 bucks on the day. Well, I think you will get this one much cheaper. I'm, I'm not a hold on that basis. But I, I see the quality here, don't get me wrong. But I have to go sell based on okay. the chart.
1: Well, uh, Connor wants to know if you have, if you think the same thing on the other, Major yeah. uh, platform stock, which mm. is Seek, but instead of property, it's on
0: employment. I unfortunately, I do, I ah. do see the same thing happening, but Seek's in such a different space because, yes maybe the economy is going to get weaker next year and maybe there's going to be more um, slightly higher unemployment but the jobs market is still very strong and that helps them the other thing that i think beats uh, that's where seek beats rea is just in the valuation so you're paying about 40 times uh, rea earnings and yet you're paying only and i say only here 28 times seek earnings okay for ultimately both dominant online platforms right so if i had to pick between the two I'm 100% going seek over REA, but I'm not picking between the two. I'm giving a buy hold sell, and based upon the chart, not the valuations. I think the valuation is fair here. <laughs> I think I think it's 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 better value than REA, and yep. I think. In isolation, the valuation is fair, whereas I think REA is significantly overvalued. So let me just I know we're going back, but I think R, REA's is price target. And this is me using the most generous numbers here because my first number came out ridiculously overvalued, right? Like it was I think it was about 25 percent overvalued. So I said, oh, no, let me just get them a bit more moderate uh, and I've got 10 percent overvalued on REA. But I reckon it's way more overvalued than that. Okay. Um, Seek, I think is fair value. Look, bottom line is I'm not going to go any further because the chart looks lousy. So I can't right. buy Seek. Could, could I go a hold? No, the chart looks lousy. So even though I don't mind the business and the valuation is not terrible, mm. I have to go sell. Okay. Michael? We've been um, buying SEEK in the last sort of
2: couple of months, I suppose. Um, we just see it as more of a, a long-term buy on a valuation basis. It is obviously, as Carl points out, a lot less expensive than REA. And we just think as well, the earnings for SEEK have been depressed a lot by the amount of investment that the business has done in the last five, 10 years. Um, they too, like REA, have a lot of diversification now in overseas businesses. Yep. Um, but their overseas diversification is probably a lot more mature and is, is really starting to deliver for SEEK. It's not in its infancy like it is for REA. So SEEK's obviously the dominant classifieds website in Australia, accounting for about 30% of job placements. Um, networks such as LinkedIn and a few others make up about 9%, so they still have a very dominant position um, online and size begets further size in many ways because you need to be on SEEK in order to attract candidates and candidates go on to SEEK because that's where the largest number of job listings are. Um, but they also own either the first or second largest um, job classified website in places like Mexico, in China, um, Brazil, um, New Zealand, Bangladesh, places like that. And, and these days SEEK actually generates probably half their revenue from overseas half from Australia. It's just that the overseas business isn't yet as profitable as the Australian business. Right. Um, so we just think it's a very good quality business. It's got a lot of growth coming from other parts of the world. Um, they've also got a large sort of private equity type fund within it now as well. And on a long-term basis, we think today's valuation isn't that bad. And we're looking out sort of two, three years, we think that Seek will be in a pretty decent, strong position. Right. So we have it as a a long-term buy. We understand that it might show some more weakness in the short term, but we're happy to take that that risk for a long-term position. Okay. All right.
1: Uh, Michael, Nick wants a view on CSL, the big blood plasma group I just saw on the ticker. Um, it's $299. It um, was only a couple of weeks ago. It's And I'll declare I own CSL. It's yeah. been $260, $250. And it's back to $299. Uh, CSL saying they've... Though today, um, this morning, came out and said they've got FDA approval for their haemophilia drug that they've um, had up for adjudication with the FDA.
2: Yeah, that et- des. they've always got complicated yep. names, but you can see from the chart, it's been in a holding pattern now for some time. Yep. And I've probably been on this show a number of times over the last couple of years to, uh, saying that CSL is a buy and it's, and it's teased you know, on occasions, it looks like it's about to break out before being sucked back into that range. Um, but again, on a longer term time frame, we think that CSL is looking pretty attractive. The blood plasma collections in the US are improving, uh, and that's starting to pick up again. Some of the costs associated with that business are starting to diminish again, which yeah. is good. Um, they've also got a they lot... They
1: takeover, didn't they? They that did a the big takeover digesting. of
2: Vidor, which is sort of getting... Um, digested into the business, Um, but they've also got a lot of R&D projects at the moment. The first one is that haemophilia drug, which they already do some stuff in haemophilia space, but this is a vastly improved product. They've also got ongoing clinical trials involved with improving the flu vaccine. Um, And then there's another one as well, which is expected to kick in from about 2025. Um, And that's to do with, um, not haemophilia, one of the other I'll have to get back to you, but basically yep. the code is um, CSL112, that's the name of the trials and that's right. progressing quite nicely and many in the market are attaching a 50 to 60% chance that that will get FDA approval and okay. eventually be marketed as well. So they've obviously got their tried and, and tested products, the the, the, the flu vaccine is a big thing, but also obviously the blood plasma collections and they've got a new or a series of other projects in the pipeline that could really boost boost earnings and revenue in the years to come. But anyway, the company is expected to grow revenues between you know, 10 20%. Earnings expected to grow between 7%, 11% next year. Yeah. So for a business of this size, um, they're growing very, very quickly still. Uh, and there's a, you know, quite an optimistic outlook there as well. So happy okay. to have
0: this as a, a long-term buy. Carl? Yeah, I think I, I can go long-term buy, I agree. Right. Um, short-term, the charts, you know, like like you say, Kosh, it's the top of that range, isn't it? It just mm-hmm. seems like every time it gets to 300 bucks, yep. blink, and it's 275, all <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep. Um, so yeah short term maybe there's a bit of that but look i agree it's one of those core portfolio stocks you want to own some it's never cheap that's the thing what are you paying 42 times uh, last year's 37 times this year's but there is significant growth in the business because they do have all these products um coming online Uh, so you'll get 19 uh compound annual growth rate for the next four years and I'd, have, I'd pay those prices. I'm happy, happy to pay those prices. Mm. We think, look, in the short term, it's probably around about fair value at 300 bucks. It just depends. If you can push through, uh, then, then yeah, look, look let, me, let me have a look. Let me see, what's the number? What's that number where you feel that- It could yeah, break out. That th- yeah, it could break out, that 300. Oh, 305. Look, right. there's a, there's a number here. So this high here from uh, November last year, well, that was when, like I said, when everything peaked out. Kogan peaked out, isn't it? Yep. I mean, I think it, yeah, that high was three twenty. I mean, if it's printing three twenty, you've you've it's already you know it's too it's not too late. You know what I mean? But yep. I haven't given you I haven't given you a bargain, have I? No. Um, let me go 305. Close to 305. I think there's a very good chance that uh, chart you showed at the start, that really long basing pattern, yep. um, five years, that, that yep. that's very bullish. That five-year chart is very bullish because if it does break through the top, then the next move could be substantial. So yeah, look, okay. I, I'm, go, I'm going to go buy. I'm going to go. With my All point. right. It
2: and h- historically, it's CSL's had these elongated periods of consolidation before it's then had its next leg out. If you took that chart back. You know 20 years or whatever it is it will show yeah. very similar periods of oh, consolidation buy,
0: buy, something, buy something really big and then kind of digest it and then yeah and then goes up again yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 and they've got the track record it's a really good management team as, uh, as well um carl nick wants a view on auckland international airport the uh uh, the aviation gateway to New Zealand, different to say Sydney Airport when it was listed, because Sydney leased the land. Auckland International Airport owns their land that and can do. develop it. Uh, what do you think yeah, of they're, Auckland they're International? Like
0: a pro- Sorry, caution. Yeah. They're like a property trust. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it is very interesting in that regard. Uh, but they're also a retail company because they, well. Effectively leasing to those uh retailers so they depend on that and then you've got the um the servicing the uh the airplanes that come and go so yeah look you know travel's bouncing back i'm sure many of us if we're not planning a trip inside australia we're planning to go to you know quick jump across the pond uh to have a holiday over there and yeah look i mean they're all anecdotal but the, the numbers suggest that they are returning to growth obviously they they lost money in fy 20 22 that's going to return to positive earnings in FY 23 of 8 cents and then get this FY 24 is 17 cents so you're more than doubling and then you're looking at about 22 cents in FY 25 so the earnings growth is coming back the question is what are you paying for that earnings growth well I can answer that question so you're paying about 91 times next year's earnings 43 times yeah I know that's the wow and that's That's the problem I have with it and yeah about 35 times FY 25 so I, I I think at these prices, much of much of the rebound is factored in. Right. Having said that, the chart looks good enough. I can certainly go a hold. Okay. All right. Um, and
1: I I think it can't be sold to a super fund. Uh, I think there's government yeah. hoops you got to get through, Michael, because you know super funds are buying these big infrastructure plays, aren't they, around that's the right. world? That's right. It's I not going to get bought this out. This like one can't be bought out. Not
2: like Sydney Airport, <laughs> no, but still, right. I think it's probably. With fewer and fewer quality infrastructure options available for investors these days. A lot of them have yeah. been picked up by private equity. This is one remaining bastion on the market and it gives the individual investor the opportunity to hold something um, that is of high quality. We do hold Auckland International Airport. It was a purchase um, that we did opportunistically in the midst of COVID. Um, and we think that that turnaround story is accelerating. We would prefer to hold something like this over a Qantas as a play on that recovery theme. Yes, the, the valuation kind of asked, like, yeah. yeah, the valuation is extreme. You have to remember their earnings got crunched to basically yep. nothing. And they recently came out and upgraded their earnings forecast. And initially, they were targeting between 50 to 100 million New Zealand dollar earnings. They've increased that to 100 to 130 million. And obviously, the recovery has been a lot stronger than they were expecting and what the market was expecting. Um, they're now up to, I think, 60 to 70% um Pre-CO- pre-COVID pre levels when it comes to the capacity. Uh, and that's expected to be hit by the end of this financial year. And then who knows where they go to from there, but they'll expect to recover probably fairly right. quickly from there. Their domestic travels up to about 90% um, pre-COVID levels. And what we're getting the vibe is in the market, that this is happening a little bit quicker. And the thing that's holding them back again, it's not demand, it's just the lack of capacity. Um, like in Australia, where a lot of the international airlines haven't come back yet or have have only started to creep back the similar things playing out in New Zealand. And over time, we would expect that to accelerate somewhat. Um, They obviously have a diversified brand or or portfolio of assets, hotels, property Mm. development around the airport, managing their retailers. Um, They also own the Queenstown Airport as well, which is a fairly popular hub for people to go to. So we do think this is a, a very high quality asset. We don't expect it to double or anything like that, but eventually we think dividends will kick back in um, and the share price appreciation, at least back to the pre-COVID share price highs we think is possible and that's around $9, $9.50. Okay. So for us, it's a quality infrastructure play in a portfolio, so happy to have it as a buy. Okay. All right. And our final stock will need to uh, be
1: a bit quick on on this one as well. It's a sort of the smaller end of the scale from uh, Auckland International Airport. Alan wants to view Michael on WeBit Nano. They're in the uh, developing the next generation of um, computer memory technology.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, WeBit Nano and BrainChip are probably two similar companies mm. that get a lot of yep. traction in the market. And, and WeBit, they've actually held up really well considering their multiples and their valuations. Um, but Webit probably is a, a better value proposition. It trades on a lower book value. It doesn't have sales at the moment, but that's expected to come in the next few years. I just worry about the the enormous amount of competition from big players in this space. You know, the likes of of your um your your Google's, your 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 Amazon's, and your Microsofts and Apples. Um, but it is a, an interesting thing to watch. They are cash flow positive, which is a positive sign. They do have a lot of cash on their balance sheet. So they are able to fund their expansion without continually having to go back to the market. So it is one to keep an eye on. But I just struggle to pay
0: these lofty multiples. Okay, Carl? Uh, I think it's, a, yeah, it would, you know, only ever be a spec buyer, but it looks very interesting. You know, they've got these uh, super fast uh, memory chips, of course, is what yep. they're working on. And they're at the the qualification stage. So they need to make sure it works and that you get a, a bunch of um, potential customers to come in and, and you give them the chips. You say, look, test them out. Let, let us know how they're going. And then there's a process. So, look, they're, they're not going to be, well, probab- wow. Uh, Look, I'm going, to, I'm going to say, look, if, if they weren't going to be if these things didn't work, we'd, we'd probably right. know by now they suggest that volume production will start later next year. Um, and it's in a, you know, it's a huge market. And then you've got basically much like we talked about security of your um, uh, raw materials, raw minerals supply. Um, the US is very big on getting security over this sort of technology and keeping it within countries that yes. they trust. And obviously, we're one of them. So I can, yeah, look, I'm going to go, I'm going to go pure chart here. Um, I'm going to go 100% a hold, happy holder, no doubt about it. Whether it's a buy, I think there's a bit of resistance up here. Maybe you can wait for a pullback, but then you'd have to see the right candles. So here's a plug. Tune in on Tuesdays. It is one we do follow in my Tuesday webinars. And you know, if it, okay. when it becomes a bite, no, no doubt it'll pop up and I'll all right. let you know.
2: Happy holder, you're, you're a happy holder. I'm a happy holder Michael, as okay. well, um, just because of the momentum in it and yep. the fact that they are rolling out some volume next year.
1: Okay, all right, let's recap the uh, final five stocks. Uh, REA, um, a hold from Michael, uh, watching it closely. It's a sell from uh, from Carl. Seek uh, a sell as well. Uh, Michael has a long-term buy, long-term buy for CSL from uh, both Michael and uh, Carl. Auckland Airport, a buy from Michael, a hold from Carl, and both of them are happy holders of WeBit. Uh, Carl Kapelinga, thank you for joining us. Um, who Carl is going to sell everything if the market yeah, gets we'll s- cross. We'll do a live cross. Was that <laughs> when,
0: the ASX 500? The
1: ASX 500 or the all odds? No, the, two, the 200. The 200. ASX 200. ASX 200, six, 200 at uh, 7,600. All right. I've made a note of it. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Michael Wayne from Medallium Financial. Will you be selling at 7,600? I'll have to weigh up um, oh. the, the, the
2: information in the market. But okay. It, but I think, look. It's hard to say. If the momentum strong, it's always difficult to sell. It might yeah. be worth taking some off the table there.
1: Oh, there you go. All right, thank you for that. If you'd like uh, any stocks for me to uh, to put to our expert panel, put them in an email, to call at ozbiz.com.au or tweet us using the oddsbiz TV handle. All the stocks in the calls, fantasy portfolio, co forward slash portfolio. Coming up on the small cabs, Fiji Carver joins us to tell us about their latest deal in the u.s dr anthony noble coming up next don't go away Mm -hmm.